Hey, Soul Sibling, welcome back to a new episode and more particularly a new episode in the COVID-19 series. So this is going to be released in installments. And so I'm going to kind of take you through a little bit of journey that I've had in this entire 2020 year so far. So where I want to take you is PC, pre coronavirus. My, 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 my corona. Boom, 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 my sharona. So pre-corona in January and February is what I want to talk to you about today. And have you ever been in a situation where you're moving around and you feel kind of numb? You can tell you're not vibrant and on point and you might be noticing um, more exhaustion, not feeling excited about a lot of your life's experiences and sleeping more, eating more, watching more television, um, just kind of feeling like you're going through the motions. So that's what I was experiencing in January particularly. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about my January and February of 2020 and tell you about something I noticed in myself and um, give you a little bit of feedback about difficult emotions in our life and how sometimes it's very difficult to even be aware or in tune or present to difficult emotions. So welcome to this new episode. Let's dive in. Welcome to Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Smith. Some people call me Mr. Blue. Either way, I'm looking to be your spiritual muse. So in January, I had just come home from a really awesome experience. I had planned last year to end my year in a way that was really meaningful to me and to spend Christmas and New Year's in a place where I was with my family of choice and in a city that I adore and something I'd been wanting to do for a long time, which was New York City. And I had such an amazing trip. I spent about three weeks there. I was able to spend the week right before Christmas at an Airbnb and do a whole theater show, see a bunch of great plays and musicals on Broadway. And then I stayed with the Harveys in Harlem and it was such a wonderful experience. And I came home in January, about January 4th. And those first few weeks, I really struggled to get into my life with viral mindfulness, my art, my creativity. I was work, work, working my day job as a marketing specialist for my uh, main client. And I was able to get that done. And I was able to be engaged in, you know, eating and exercise. And but besides that, I really was struggling with watching a lot of television. I didn't feel motivated or inspired by a lot of things. And it took me a couple weeks to figure out what was going on. And so number one, this is one of the points I just want to kind of lay out there, which is I think that we have these expectations sometimes or this belief, we have a belief that we're going to 
you know, always be on point or we're always going to be evolved. We're always going to be progressing and that, you know, we won't be human and forget or be stuck or be unaware or be avoidant or indulgent. And I'm learning for myself that the depth of it all means that in any given day, I can have aspects of everything. And my work is to return as quick as I can to a connection and to my spiritual center and path. And to me, that is really a great thing to focus on is instead of trying to be consistent or perfect is how quickly do I turn around and return to connection? Because in an instant, you can notice, catch yourself, and then move on. And that's what I did for myself. It took about three weeks till the end of January when I realized I'm totally in grief right now. I have two friends, two of my favorite friends who are in stage four of cancer, each of them on very different sort of cancer spectrums, one in the lungs, and she's in her 40s my age. The other is in his 60s, and he has colon cancer. And they're both approaching their diagnosis in a different way as well. And I had been interacting with them regularly. And I had just visited one of my friends, the one with Vanessa with lung cancer. And I was scheduled to be visiting my friend Charles with the colon cancer in February. And so what I became aware of is that I was just going through the grief of having friends in this situation. And I kept just moving away from it. I didn't know how to really take it in and sit with it and sit with the discomfort. And the culminating event that invited me in is that I do a meditation meeting every Monday night. It's part of my recovery, uncovery now. I've gone from addiction and cravings into recovery and now into uncovering. And I do a weekly meeting. I'm a co-facilitator online with a Buddhist group about cravings and addiction and compulsion. And I'm a co-facilitator and we meditate every week. And so this particular week, the other facilitator was leading the meditation. No, 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 that's not true. I was leading the meditation. And I was walking people through sitting with discomfort, sitting with difficult emotions is what it's called. And when I was leading everybody on this guided meditation, I was having this like parallel experience where I was becoming aware that I was having a really difficult time sitting with the emotions of grief and unknown about what's happening with my friends and the normal, the normal situation of being engaged with them and listening to them and supporting them and being with them in person. And after that meditation, and when when I was able to get into my own spirit after the meeting online, I was reminded again, just how good my ego, how good I am as a human sometimes to really just stay super focused and busy and distracted from truth and from the authentic experience that I'm having. Like it's very easy for me 
to indulge and be participatory with the wonderful things that are happening in my life. And when I sometimes meet up with very difficult things that show my perceived downside or things that are very painful, it's sometimes a little bit harder for me to take it in. So one of my first questions for you is, you know, what is your practice? And, you know, when I was a clinician and a therapist, it always comes down to the starting point usually always comes down to, you know, like, what are you doing in any given day to be connected to yourself? What is your practice, your hour of power? What are you doing spiritually, emotionally to center and connect as a means to build strength to move, move forward? So what is it that connects you? And so I know and have a list of many items which do for me. And meditation, in fact, is one primary part of my connection to my spiritual life. And so when I was particularly engaged in this guided meditation about sitting with difficult emotions, I was able to really meet the discomfort and I became aware of a whole nother layer of grief, not just around Charles and Vanessa, grief around my aging parents, particularly my dad and his dementia and how that has impacted his ability to be engaged in life and the details of life, particularly with me. Even the aging of my mother and seeing that and just knowing that at some point they are going and also just kind of a, it was like a going through this with Vanessa and Charles has been like um, another layer of, you know, like added, you know, where different grief points build up and there's suddenly a moment where I can either keep checking out or I can really turn towards it and let, let myself feel the depth of it all. And I think that's another important lesson I'm learning is that my spiritual life is about feeling the depth of it all. And that means that I can sit down and cry and I can put my hand over my heart and I can comfort myself and say, it's okay that you're afraid and unsure and sad about what's happening for Charles and Vanessa and it's okay for you to love them. And it's okay for you to not have to be perfect in how you interact and how you love and support your friends. So then in February, I was able to make it to see Charles and to spend the weekend with him. And thankfully, I had already kind of met this avoidant tactic on this topic. And so it was definitely a lot easier. However, when I returned home those first few days, and um, when I reached out to Charles over the next coming weeks, um, there was no response from him. He wasn't capable of responding and being connected to me. And so then that's where another layer of my emotion and difficult emotions came up. And I was able to realize that, you know, there are a lot of parts going on for him. He has children and grandchildren, very limited space and time. And I really leaned into the gratitude that I was able to be with him in real time and FaceTime and have some very powerful moments together. And to be okay with the unknown, the space between right now, while he takes care of other relationships and things. And I want to share with you a story 
from a woman that I I heard about this in January, February, and it really offered me a piece of spiritual wisdom that I wanted to focus today's podcast on, which is really about the difference between your belief and, and practice. And I heard this woman's story on NPR with Terry Gross, um, Fresh Air. I love to listen to these interviews. And I've been consistent about listening to them over my week because of the content and the topics. And this woman, a religious scholar, um, she was talking to Terry about an experience where she lost her child. She knew her child was going to die. This child had a degenerative disease and would ended up dying at age six and a half. And a year later, her husband unexpectedly fell in a rock climbing accident to his death. And so she lost both. She lost her family. And during the interview, they talked about a couple points. And one was the idea of suffering. And I've talked about this before, about how pain and suffering can be one of our great teachers. Um, and in this interview with Terry Gross and this woman, they talked about her suffering. And she commented that she doesn't like suffering. And she thinks it's really weird when we talk about how good our suffering can be for us. And one of the things I love about my spiritual path is that I'm learning to trust questions and to not hold on to answers so tightly and to continue exploring and to continue in a state of inquiry. And so in this moment, I had used pain and suffering as my great teacher, and it has ha had helped me. And now there was a flip side of the coin that I was going to look at on suffering, which is, is that suffering isn't fun. It isn't something I want. It's not something that I like or that I want to turn to someone when they're in suffering and say, oh, hey, oh, there's a blessing in disguise here. This time, this day, this moment, I was studying an aspect of suffering that felt like this. And she was saying that for her, what she's noticing is that suffering has a powerful quality to bring us into a connection with the other people around us because it really humbles us and it makes us look towards those around us and ask the question of how engaged am I with the people around me, with my life, with my projects? I think that's really beautiful. And so I took some of this with me in my February to start really just staying connected when I felt and noticed that Charles wasn't able to connect with me to return or respond to phone calls or text messages. I leaned into people who were able and, and, and willing to connect and had the space for that. And the second part of this interview between Terry Gross and this woman when she was grieving the loss of her husband after the death of her child, people would often come up to her and say, oh, it must be your faith and your belief that got you through or Jesus or some religious connotation. And she really didn't connect with those people's response. What she has to share 
is that she was reading in her studies as a religious scholar in the Gnostic Gospels, particularly the Gospel of Truth. And in that, she was becoming aware that there were, were statements that were talking about the value of practice in one's life as opposed to belief. And so now I'm going to let that story go. And I'm going to just tell you how I integrated what I heard and what she said into my experience. And to me, this is also a valuable skill I'm learning, which is to hear things to learn things and then to let those items move from my head, from the thinking, the 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 intelligent, the intellectual place and let them become part of my body, my heart, where I begin to experience the teaching, what I'm hearing. And so what I got from this idea was that I can hold tightly to believing something. I believe in God. And I believe that God has pain in my life and that it's going to be for my good. And there's a flip side, which is practice regardless of what I think I believe, regardless of what I believe, I still have an opportunity this day to practice, to practice my spirituality, to practice my beliefs or what I think I believe. And more than ever in my life, I'm finding great wisdom in the phrase and statement is of, you know, the unknown and and not knowing and, and not striving and seeking for answers and continually allowing for questions to replace the answers and for the questions to become exploration and inquiry and a journey of continued practice and learning. So let me give you an example. So let's start small and then we'll go to one bigger one. So belief versus practice. So let's take my January when I was, was not when I became aware that I was not, that I was having difficult emotions around the impermanence, the death, the potential death, the perceived death of my friends, knowing that my friends would die, knowing that my parents are going to die. I have this belief sometimes that I shouldn't be bothered by this, that I should have a spiritual life and path where I'm aware of this and I shouldn't be bothered. I shouldn't feel the emotion of it. Um, I have a belief that, you know, I'm strong and that that showing this means that somehow I'm not strong. And so being stuck in that belief versus practicing, which to me, practicing is living it. And as soon as I became aware that I was being avoidant of my experience and my feelings because of their difficult emotions then I had an opportunity to practice. And from there, I was able to practice and lean into a lot of ways of meeting myself and my experience with compassion. And trust me, in January and February, I was able to integrate this. I was able to really hit home on a level for myself where I was like, Alexander, like, you know, you have been through a lot and you have lost a lot of things in regards to other relationships and people through death. And now, you know, it's not like you just figure it out and it means you're never going to struggle. It means here you are at a different point in your life at a different level and layer. 
And here's where you really practice belief versus practice. So another one could be very much taken to what's happening for us all right now with the middle of the coronavirus. So easy. Anywhere you go, any person you talk to, anytime you open your mouth, open your phone, people are trying to get answers. We're trying to understand and we just simply don't know a lot of things. And this not knowing has been very difficult for everybody on so many levels. And so this has been another experience that's pointing out for me a value in belief versus practice. Regardless of what I believe, regardless of what you believe, the president, the Republicans, the Democrats, my sister, my friend, whoever call, whoever's calling my phone, regardless of what they believe, there still is work to be done in the area of practice. How will I show up today? How will I relate to my life, to my goals, to my spirituality, to my work, to my body? I wrote a couple notes down about belief versus practice. Beliefs lock you down and it locks other people out sometimes. Now, by no means am I saying don't have beliefs, don't look for information. That's not what's happening here. I'm simply taking a lens, a filter, or looking at one side of the diamond and looking into the center as a means to just explore a teaching. Beliefs can lock you down, they can lock others out. Practice will open you up to life and open you up to movement, to curiosity, to new people, to things outside of your comfort zone. So my hope for you is that wherever you are in this moment that you're listening to this, that you'll take a moment to look at the beliefs in your life and then to look at the practice practices in your life and to take a renewed invitation, a viral mindfulness invitation for me to look at your practices and to evaluate your practices to maybe it's time to update them. Maybe it's time to push forward, even though you're feeling fatigued um, and to let your practice on a day-to-day basis be a foundation of spiritual nourishment and a teacher of curiosity and integrity and creativity. So that's my podcast episode for today, this pre-coronavirus. And one of the things that was really interesting about practice, I came to this, this idea, I wrote down that practice also invites us to get into life. It invites us to, to be engaged, to be messy, to experiment, to try. And so I was going to be doing that March 1st. Every year I have a spiritual retreat that I participate in. I dedicate 60 days at least of my year where my spiritual life relationship meditation practice becomes my number one priority for 60 days. 
And I was scheduled to be in retreat online with my teacher from March 1st to the end of April. And so pre-coronavirus, that's what I had scheduled in coming. And the last thing I want to say about belief is sometimes I think our beliefs can hold us back. They can sometimes freeze us. And interesting enough, I think sometimes our beliefs can put us on a pedestal and it can make us feel better, higher, more evolved in comparison to others. So practice, practice. You know how much I love the topic of creativity and practicing. I'm consistently loving that I have practices like watercolors, music, and piano, and that I'm consistently engaged in them as a means to learn. And I'm telling you that when I'm watercoloring, it helps me with my day job. When I'm learning new songs on the piano, it helps me with watercoloring. When I suddenly decide to pull out my pastels because I'm working on a commission for a watercolor piece, all of a sudden it stimulates some ideas for my watercolor piece. So let your practice be, let your practice be the guide, the North Star. I'm going to close today's episode with a poem that my friend Jude sent to me in February. He sent this poem to me and I thought it was so beautiful and timely for what I was going through. And I'll see you next time um, for March pre-corona with my spiritual retreat the first few weeks as we were getting swept away into shelter in place. So all my love to your next mindful moment and... If you're looking for the guided meditation of sitting with difficult emotions, of course I have you covered today, my dear soul sibling. I have recorded this meditation just for you listeners. It's I'm not talking about this anywhere else. And what you need to do is just go to viralmindfulness.com forward slash free just kidding. It's not free. <laughs> That's the wrong URL. You're going to go to viralmindfulness.com forward slash make sit happen, all one word, M-A-K-E-S-I-T-H-A-P-P-E-N. And there you'll find an additional meditation, the meditation of sitting with difficult emotions. And man, if you want to have a really powerful experience, take the journey. I'll be guiding you on this meditation It will be allowing for some space for you to practice being with your difficult emotions. So go get that free meditation and um, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. (laughs) Here's the poem Jude sent to me. It's called Desiderata. And the word desiderata is a noun. And what that means, the word, is things wanted or needed. Something wanted or needed. Desiderata. Here is the poem. Desiderata by Max Ehrman. Go placidly amid the noise and haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even to the dull and ignorant. They too have their story. 
Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself, especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune. But do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you convince or conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Let me be your muse to music, mindfulness, creativity, and compassion over at my website, viralmindfulness.com. You can also find me regularly throughout the week over at Instagram. That's also at viralmindfulness.com.